Hi, everyone. It's Amy Geckel, your host of the Eating Disorder Diaries podcast, a podcast about my 16-year experience with bulimia and my life in recovery. We are back with entry number four. In this episode, I interview my therapist and ask her all the therapy-related questions. I'm going to make this episode two parts, with the first part being her interview, and in two weeks, we're going to release part two, which will be a solo episode where I really dive more deeply into my therapy journey. I think it could be helpful for you to hear what's worked for me, uh, what hasn't worked, what my experience has been with different therapies like EMDR, and really just sharing more things I've learned in therapy throughout the years. Before we get into the episode today, I do want to talk a little bit about the confidentiality of therapy. The relationship between a therapist and their client contains an abundance of confidential information. Therapist confidentiality allows you to feel safe enough to share your private information during your sessions. The private information you share as a client can't be shared by your therapist without your consent. Now, there are a few situations that may require a therapist to break confidentiality, and that includes a client being in immediate danger to themselves or another. Also, if the client is endangering another who can't protect themselves, as in the case of a child, a person with a disability, or elder abuse. But aside from these situations, therapy is meant to be a safe space. So I want to give a brief introduction to my therapist, Cindy White, before we get into the episode today. Cindy is a licensed professional counselor based here in Colorado, and believe it or not, I actually met her through BetterHelp. I've been seeing her since the summer of 2022 and had taken a break from therapy before that time after not having had the best experience with my last therapist. So I'd kind of exhausted my options looking for a therapist, so I went to BetterHelp filled out a questionnaire, and got matched with Cindy. I didn't really expect to be matched with someone locally, but she turned out to be super close. So after three sessions online, I just switched to seeing her in person at her private practice. She's been amazing in working with me to meet my therapy goals, basically. I think the best way I can describe Cindy and her approach is to read you a snippet from her website, which says, we all have times in our lives when we need encouragement to move forward and reassurance to thrive. I'm here to help. We need to feel heard and treated with compassion. We need that extra support to succeed. I can provide you the support you need. I believe that together, you and I can navigate through the hard times and get through the pain, get you back to a place of feeling happy, healthy, whole, and free. I utilize strengths-based methods to help you realize your own potential for change while I continue to make you feel safe and supported in session. This will not be an easy process for you. However, I am very passionate about counseling and believe that you can heal. So I'll let her introduce herself a little bit more in the episode, and we will dive into EMDR and accessibility to therapy and how therapy can help fill your eating disorder. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, and welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the episode today. I've been very excited and hyping you up in other episodes of mine. Let's start with you giving a little bit more background about yourself. What drew you to therapy? Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate um, that. Uh, So I actually came to therapy later in life. Um, I went back to get my master's actually in my 40s, um, was in 
business um, before that, and but I've always been attracted to helping people, and this is where I really wanted to land in my life. And so, after getting my master's in forty uh, at forty ish, I came back and started my own private practice, and so that's what I've been doing ever since. Have you always only had a private practice? Um, actually, no. I have done both. Um, as far as like working in a, I've worked in um, community mental health as well. Um, that's very tough, and I really admire therapists that can stay in that long term. But um, no, mostly private practice and then some um, community mental health. So. Okay. So a private practice, that basically just means you work for yourself. You can find your own clients, right? 100%. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Describe your practice in general. Do you have any specialties and what types of different treatment approaches do you have? Yep. So in my therapy, I work with, I, I tend to work with people 13 and up. I try to stay away from younger kids because I'm not, don't feel that's my strength. Um, as far as what I do in my therapy, I do a lot of trauma-related stuff. I do have some extra training in trauma-related issues. And so that's how I try to focus you know what I do um, and as far as as far as therapy or therapy or ther- therapeutic orientation I do a lot of strengths-based therapy which basically means you know focusing on a client's strengths and then building on top of those um, and I do some like CBT type stuff which is cognitive behavioral therapy and that's based on changing beliefs behaviors thoughts um, in a in a more practical sense, in a more logical sense. So, um, besides that, I am EMDR trained, as well as a KAP or CAP therapist, which is ketamine assisted psychotherapy. So, those are the things I do, pretty much on a regular basis. You mentioned that you have background in in trauma, mm-hmm. and that's actually how I think I ended up getting matched with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had mentioned in the intro for this episode that we met on BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. And the way that I think we were paired up is I had to fill out a questionnaire and talk about what I wanted. And although I don't remember exactly what I put or even what the questions are, I, I was pretty upfront that I was looking for uh, dealing with my trauma mm-hmm. and in EMDR mm-hmm. and other things like that. So mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I was... I also mentioned I was surprised that I was matched up with someone so close to me. I thought with it being online, you could you would get matched with mm-hmm. anyone in the country. So <laughs> if BetterHelp does take that into consideration, I think that's great because after a few sessions online, we just immediately transitioned to going to in-person sessions, which I thought was pretty seamless. And mm-hmm. honestly, like you helped me with figuring out insurance and, and it was pretty easy for me. So that's how we met. How else, being that you have a private practice, do you find your clients? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, one thing that I've always struggled with is this idea of accessibility. And I feel that sometimes therapy can be inaccessible to certain communities. And so I try to spread myself out. So what that means is I'm on different platforms like BetterHelp. Um, I'm also on platforms such as Headway and Sondermind, which are... um, platforms that are used for people that have insurance. And so anybody, you know, I pretty much can take anybody with any types of insurance. So that's kind of nice. And then I also take Colorado Medicaid and as well as self-pay. So I really try to just try to capture everybody in that. So I think that 
therapy accessibility is something that I've struggled with for a while as well. Uh, just struggling with insurance or maybe mm-hmm. going onto my insurer's main website and they recommend a therapist and I reach out and it's like, oh no, you actually don't match up with them. And mm-hmm. it, it yeah. can be really frustrating. frustrating. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, do I care that much? And do I want to go to therapy? So I think it's important to stress that therapy can be accessible, yep. even if you, you try on the first time and you don't get matched up or you, you can't find someone that isn't outrageously expensive. Um, so I would love to hear more about that uh, later on. Uh, but for now, my next question is, I want to kind of role play. It's my first time trying therapy. Mm-hmm. What should I expect when I go in? Like, do I just come to you? Do you ask me questions? Yeah. What is intake like? I've been going to therapy since I started in, I think, seventh grade. So it's it's been a while and I know it's different for everyone. So what's it like for you? Absolutely. Um, so for me, I um, I'm a person who doesn't necessarily want to know all of you, all everything about you from the very beginning, because I feel that there can be a lot of maybe um, misinterpreted ideas or expectations that a therapist brings on when you know when they read like huge intakes forms or whatever. So I am the person that will sit just sit down and take the first couple of sessions to really really get to know you. And kind of on the flip side, and something I wanted to bring up was. That, I, that it's also the client getting to know the therapist. And I think a lot of clients kind of go into therapy, get with a therapist, and feel stuck with that therapist. I want to, I want to just encourage clients to, be, to try to be as transparent with their therapist as possible because this is, this is the client's journey, and they're not getting anything out of it if they feel that they, oh, I can't leave my therapist because I've you know, been with her or whatever. It's, if you're not getting out of it what you need, you know, make some changes or bring it up to your therapist. You know, a good therapist is going to discuss with you what's going on. And hopefully that will bring some insight, you know, into your therapy or into your treatment. So I just encourage people to be transparent because that's important in, in their journey because it is their journey. I can really relate to that being transparent with your therapist. I've struggled in the past with in therapy, even outside of therapy, just in my day-to-day life, being transparent. So I'm thinking of two examples. One is in therapy. And basically, I talked about in one of my first episodes on the show that I really started healing from therapy when I came into therapy with a purpose. I kind of always knew that I needed therapy. I've talked about on the show, I've talked about past trauma, I knew that therapy would help me. It's something that I wanted, but I've gotten really clear about what I'm actually trying to work through. And I think being able to pinpoint that has been really helpful for me. And and I have a goal that I'm working towards. Mm -hmm. And it's also helped me in work. We have um, a mentorship program at work and I did it for a couple of years. And in the first few years, I didn't have a goal of what I wanted to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I would meet with my mentors and while it was helpful, I didn't really know how to drive the conversation or lead it. Mm-hmm. And the final year when I did it, I came in with a really clear goal about what I wanted to mm-hmm. learn about my career, how I wanted to improve, and and I saw a lot more results from it. So I think Absolutely. that being clear with yourself about what your goal is and then maintaining that transparency with your therapist is going to really help. Um, yes. So on that note, Let's say that I've been in therapy for a few months and I feel like I'm in a better place. 
Is there a time where you would recommend stopping therapy or how does that work? Yeah. As far as timing in therapy, that's a, there is no set time um, or number of sessions. Um, as far as that goes, you know, I think some people can come to therapy and be very solutions focused. And once they kind of wrap their head around those solutions, they feel that yes, they're, they're better. They can move on. They can use the tools to, to do what they need to do. So that could be a couple of sessions, one or two sessions. But then, you know, there are people that have, you know, extensive trauma histories, say, and really they just need support, like ongoing support. And that could look, you know, that could look like years. So it really, again, depends on this idea of collaborating with your therapist in regards to what your treatment plan is and how you want to how you want to approach it and what that looks like throughout you know whether again it's a couple of sessions or or it could be years of ongoing support so it really looks different and depends on the client you know we all have different seasons in life yes. and maybe some seasons you mm-hmm. you want to go every week i'm going weekly right mm-hmm. now and it, it's working for mm-hmm. me uh, mm-hmm. but because i'm in maintenance mode with my eating disorder recovery i i think it's more so just maintenance at this point and and checking in every week and it's extremely beneficial to me yeah um you had mentioned you want to maintain transparency with your therapist sometimes that's hard when you're not getting along with your therapist or you're not achieving your goals with your therapist Mm -hmm. you're not always going to like your therapist it it really Mm -hmm. can be like a relationship you know you're almost dating around in a way where Maybe you click with one person, you're not going to get along and date every single person. So while it's also hard to shop around, it can be really beneficial, Mm -hmm. especially if you're being transparent with yourself about what you're looking to get out of it. So if someone right now is struggling with breaking up with their therapist, Mm -hmm. how would you suggest that they go about doing so? Yeah. Wow. That is a, that's very difficult. I think, um, because you know, it certainly depends on where the client is in, in their treatment. You know, if they're really struggling themselves, I can only imagine some sort of conflict or confrontation would be very difficult. And so, again, um, it's a matter of bringing this up to the therapist. If a therapist is really in tune with their client, they're going to see some of this and hopefully bring it up in session themselves. Um you know, I hate to say, but there are times when um, just walking away from therapy might be the best, your best option. Uh, but just know that doesn't mean walking away from the therapist means walking away from therapy, I guess, is, is kind of what I want to say. So, I mean, the, the hardest part, okay, don't get me wrong, therapy is tough, but the hardest part about, you know, getting therapy is the first call and getting in. So, You know, if you have to break up with a therapist, then you have to recall and you have to go through the whole process again. So it's hard, but you have to get out of it. The client needs to get out of it what they what they want. I can echo that the first call is the hardest because it's like my support group, my eating disorder support group that I go to. It took me forever to just go. Now it's the easiest thing to go over and over again. I love it Mm -hmm. and I love therapy. So Mm -hmm. it really is just kind of getting out of your comfort zone at first and for me personally, and really for, for anyone I've talked to that has given therapy a go, they love it. Therapy is 
it's like getting a master's degree in yourself. You learn oh, about yourself. And mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. I, I heard that many years ago and it, it resonated with me because really, I mean, maybe you don't have a set goal around going to therapy, uh, but you want to get clear on what your intentions are with going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And it could just be getting to know and under you, understand yourself better and understand why you make the decisions you make. Absolutely. So another question I have around therapy, eating disorders, mental health in general, I guess is, is there still a stigma around it? And it's definitely lessened, especially with the boom of social media and people coming out and being very confident about how much um, therapy has helped them and how much focusing on their mental health has really helped them Mm -hmm. in their life and really leveling up. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that there is still a taboo around therapy and and mental health? Unfortunately, I think there is still a, a social, a social thought around Mm -hmm. the idea that therapy equates to weakness, you know, and you know, you can't have the CEO of a company looking weak. Right. So it's like this idea of, bringing it more to the forefront. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media. So I appreciate the fact that is one good thing that social media is bringing, you know, bringing to the forefront is the idea that it's not a sign of weakness. It's, it's something that everybody, I feel everybody in their life at one point or another needs support. And so, you know, why can't we just embrace that rather than, rather than shun it away and make it look like it's something it's not because truly I think it's, I think it, it's extremely strength, you know, strength invoking, empowering to go to therapy because you do learn a lot about yourself and your ability to, you know, to just do better. I absolutely learned a lot about myself over the years, even more so now that I have a focus on therapy, have a focus on my healing. Um, and one of the things that I've learned is that I have to heal from my trauma and I'm in the process of healing from my trauma and it's really helped me out. And one of the things that I've really been interested in in therapy is EMDR. Mm-hmm. And I find EMDR really fascinating for those who have never heard of it or, or want to learn more about it. Um, describe EMDR. Yeah. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, so in effect, it is doing exactly what it says. It's it's giving trauma or it's giving you the ability to desensitize and reprocess your trauma. So um, an, an analogy I kind of, I like to use is the idea of, um, I think people can, even if they don't have hair, they can relate to this. This idea of a knot being in your hair and you know, every time you try to comb it, it, you know, it hits it and it hurts and it's, you know, um, hard to get through it. But the more and more you can work at that knot, you know, the more and more you can comb through that knot, the better, you know, the, the it's going to smooth out, it's going to iron out, and it's eventually going to integrate again within, you know, within the hair. So it's like this idea of taking that trauma, which is basically just a big ball of energy in your, in your nervous system and smoothing it out so that you can manage it, you know, like a normal memory or, you know, something like that. So it's it's helping you to kind of smooth through your trauma. You've 
you've given me the analogy before about the knot in your hair. And since you've given me the analogy, I've literally thought about it like that. And it's really helped me out. Um, So I want to tell the listeners why it's helped me out and why EMDR has helped me. So eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Cindy mentioned that it helps you desensitize your trauma. And literally for me, I think about it like in EMDR, when I'm reliving a a traumatic event, I think about it over and over and over again. That's like combing your hair over and over and over again. You're combing out the knot in your hair. You're combing out the ball of energy in your body. So it's really as simple as that. And I didn't realize that at first. And that's why I think that your analogy really helped me is because it's like, oh, no, you can. I literally just need to think about it more. And it actually does help. And it helps process that way. So that was really helpful for me. Um, So I love your analogy. So I'm going to keep asking you for them. Um, So for someone struggling with an eating disorder specifically, because I imagine that many of the listeners will be someone who is struggling or maybe has a loved one who is struggling. What advice do you have for them in regards to trying therapy and really doing what they can to heal that? So um, I am not specifically trained in eating disorders. And so um, that is something that, you know, I'm certainly not going to claim here. So I want, but I want to say that I feel, and I think that some, you know, some statistics might, will back me on this, um, is the idea that a lot of people suffering from eating disorders do have trauma in their past, some sort of trauma in their past. So in a matter of speaking, it's like managing your trauma will help you to manage your, you know, potentially help you manage your eating disorder. So um, I think any any type of therapy, it, you know, if you if you have a problem seeking out specifically eating disorder therapy, I think, you know, going to a therapist to just get that support and the relationship and, you know, education and maybe behavioral change and you know all of these things can still benefit you um when you're suffering from an eating disorder so um so don't hesitate to just it doesn't have to be specific i have gone to eating disorder specific therapists when i was in crisis mode for my eating disorder when i was struggling almost every day i knew i was at a point where i wanted to see a specialist and that's what i did it was expensive. It was out of pocket. Um, eating disorder specific therapists have absolutely helped me. They yep. give me background in in the ED, but also just talking to a therapist about my trauma has been huge for me. So I've seen impacts positively from both. Absolutely. It's really just, again, a matter of shopping around, mm-hmm. seeing what works for you. Mm-hmm. One I saw uh, before I moved to Colorado and, and that really worked. I obviously stopped seeing that therapist based on the move, but there have been others where it hasn't worked out. So again, it's just shopping around and I plan to use a coming episode to go into more detail, you know, have an episode about, you know, more details about, you know, exactly what I've done in EMDR, because I think that there are people out there who maybe are curious or have heard about it, but really don't still understand how it works. And it's amazing in my opinion. And I just want to kind of give my firsthand uh, testament to that. Mm -hmm. So I talked about your amazing analogies. I um, would love for you to share your analogy about changing our thoughts. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the visual of it is a great visual. And the idea is that, you know, we, we come into this world and we develop and we have all of these thoughts, many of which could be, you know, maladaptive or, or disruptive in our lives. And we carry those. And so if you picture it like a, a trail, um, like a beaten down dirt trail, like walking through a meadow, you can see the trail. It's there. It's solid. It's, it's, you know, so if you consider this, your kind of dysfunctional thinking, that trail is solid. It is there and it's going to be very difficult to undo. So what do you need to do? You kind of, you need to veer off of the track or off of the trail and kind of bushwhack your way through the grass and go around the trail to create these new, you know, pathways. And the idea is that you have this old path and you have this new path. The new path is going to take a very, very, very long time to create and to solidify. And then the old path, it's going to take a very, very long time for it to, you know, go away and have all the grass grow back up. So it's this idea of the, you know, it takes so much time to make these new connections, but in the end, it's worth it. Like, what does it look like for you to continually work at making those new paths in your life? And, you know, so that's kind of my analogy as far as like the new, the actual, the actual neural pathways you are, you are creating by, by thinking differently. So I love that analogy and many others that I've told have loved that analogy. Um, I, I think I've probably told a dozen people at this <laughs> point, <you>. so <laughs> I needed to share it. And in the second episode, I, I talk about this, about how we have neural pathways in our brain and basically they're formed by thinking repeated thoughts. So now we have this solidified trail. I, I called it my shame narrative before, yeah. but it's, you know, that, that bad thought or thoughts that we have. What's helped me is literally visualizing, you know, forming a new path and understanding that's how our brain works and, mm-hmm. and we can consciously rewire our thoughts that way. So I just being able to, you know, expand my brain, learn about it has helped me and I think it will help other people too. So I, I thank you for sharing that. And Absolutely. in general, do you have any other words of wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners before we get into the next segment? Um, I truly believe that, you know, again, therapy can be beneficial, but it's really up to the client to make it what they need, make it their own. Um, and I know that sounds so difficult for a lot of people that are struggling, but, um, but I've, I've, I've been in this business now long enough to really know that it, it works. It, it absolutely works. You know, and so I just encourage, I just am really encouraging people to reach out. That's what I, you know, that's what I think. Me too. And I think that's the purpose of this podcast is encouraging people to talk about their problems yeah. because the more we, we keep that inside, mm-hmm. the more it's going to be stuck and the more we're not going to be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good way to wrap the next segment. So guys, we'll be back right after this break. All right, for 
for the final segment, I end the show with the guest or myself, if I'm doing a solo episode, uh, giving a positive self-affirmation and a recommendation. So let's start with the positive self-affirmation. This could be you know, something that you appreciate about yourself, um, maybe a self-affirmation that others can give them the, to themselves. What are you thinking? Um, I think the biggest thing is just the fact that, you know, I came to this later in life because I really wanted to do this work. And I find myself just blown away every day, the, the amazing um, ability for people to, um, to manage, you know, their own lives and help you know, help themselves. And, and so I, I think I, I just love my work. I just, I love my work. So that's, that's beautiful. It. And another testament to why we should go to therapy, everyone. It allows us to manage our own lives better. Uh, really, I, I go to therapy now to manage my maintenance mode and it's really beneficial. So what about a recommendation that you have for the listeners? I think, um, probably I go back to what I was saying as far as, you know, accessibility. And so the recommendations I have for um, people out there right now, again, are like Sondermind and Headway that um, both places offer, you know, um, insurance-based or self-pay-based kind of therapy um, and a wide range of therapists. And then there are other kinds of, there are other things um, other places like um, Open Path and, um, you know, things like that that will help you also for, like, lower cost therapy and things like that. So uh, just do your research. There is there is ways to get, you know, get into therapy. It's just, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes, but we're out there. We are out there, so. Yeah, I know personally... I'm working with Headway and you're partnering with Headway Mm -hmm. uh, right now and which is how I'm able to afford therapy, which I think is amazing that it's accessible for me and I can go weekly without it breaking the bank. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will definitely also do some research on these and link them in the show notes for everyone interested. Uh, But Cindy, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you coming on. I think that we have to talk about therapy. We have to talk about eating disorder healing Mm -hmm. because... I was actually reading um, The Body Keeps Score recently, and the author talks about how you can read as many books as you want, but you're going to really learn through your patients. And it's like you have to have these firsthand testimonies of what what our brains are doing after traumatizing events, whether it's dealing with an eating disorder or some other means. So I think that the work you're doing is amazing, and I just really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you. guys, how great is she? I hope you found this episode useful if you are someone who maybe hasn't gone to therapy before or is struggling with your current therapist. I definitely know how that goes. Uh, And Cindy's really been someone who I've made a lot of progress with. I want to reiterate that I don't think I would be as far along in my healing journey as I am now had it not been for going to therapy. If you have an eating disorder and haven't gone to therapy yet, maybe you can look at this as a sign to go. Like I said in the interview, I have links in the show notes for both Headway and Sondermine, which Sydney mentioned are two online services that connect therapy seekers with mental health care providers who accept insurance. So 
the next episode. I'm going to talk more about my personal therapy experiences. If you're wondering what EMDR or talking about your trauma and processing it in therapy sessions is actually like for me, or if you're wondering how that's helped heal my trauma, stay tuned for part two of this episode, entry five, and remember to come follow me and the show on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Diaries. If you found this episode helpful, please share it. Please subscribe to the show. My goal is to reach as many people as possible who are struggling so we can heal faster and stronger and together. We've already reached 20 countries, which is so exciting. So hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in two weeks. This episode was written and produced by me, Amy Geckel, with music from Coma Media. You can follow the show on Instagram for updates. And if you want someone to talk to, you can email me at theeatingdisorderdiaries at gmail.com. Remember that we are in this together and we can heal together. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. 